From Wyoming Public Media, this is Human Nature, real stories where humans and our habitat meet. I'm Erin Jones. Just a note, this episode deals with war, substance use, suicide, and PTSD. If those aren't things you want to hear, maybe skip this one. And if you or someone you know is struggling, call the National Helpline at 1-800-662-4357. This time, we'll hear about a man who made it through the Iraq War, but was still struggling to survive. We ran to the top of this hill. It was totally peaceful, quiet. And we could see all the way into Seattle. It was the first time in a long time that there was no noise in my head. There wasn't a bunch of just clatter in my head. It was just quiet. Brandon Kewen joined the Army because of family. Almost every generation that we can track has been in the military. Both my grandfathers were in the Army. So it was kind of just what I want to do. And then for me, it was also I lost a couple friends my senior year in the war. And so for me, it was also joining kind of for them. May of 2007, uh, I was deployed to Iraq. Where we were at the time was a very uh, a hot zone that was, I mean, every day we had firefights. We were kind of in between two major cities. It literally was right along like one of their highways. There was a couple small villages. We were 10 miles north of a little town called Taji that we were working out of. We'd been there a month and a half or so. It was a normal day for us. That day we were doing what's called a presence patrol. We were actually getting ready to go up to a village that was just north and just walk around, talk with people, kind of see what's going on, try to gather intel. On the way to the village, Brandon's group got into a firefight. You're either in the truck, you're walking, and all of a sudden you have a bunch of bullets hitting the vehicle, hitting around you, sometimes RPGs, sometimes grenades. And it was, it sounds weird, but it was kind of a normal thing for us. This one just happened to be a little more than normal. There was a little heavier guns being used, just a little more fire than normal. I mean, it didn't seem that much different. Brandon's truck worked to suppress fire, and the truck behind him turned left. And the next thing I know, I see this massive explosion out the left side, and the truck, no radio communication, there's black smoke pouring out of it, there's no movement, there's nothing inside this vehicle that's full of my friends. So it's called a deep buried IED. So what it is, is more or less a giant bomb that they put under the ground. So you drive over the top of it and it blows up through the bottom of your vehicle, which is the least armored part of any vehicle. And so it was equal to about 15 tank rounds hitting the bottom of this vehicle. And it opened the vehicle like a tuna can. It ended up killing my squad leader and one of my soldiers and... Uh, wounding about four other guys. I thought about that incident occasionally when I was still in the Army, but not much. This sounds horrible, but you're kind of trained to just suppress it. And like 
to not let it bother you. It's part of war, it's part of deploying, it's part of being infantry. You're, you're gonna lose friends, you're gonna lose guys that are like your brother. And so like you expect it and you handle it in the way of you push it all the way down, you cover it with alcohol, you, you don't talk about it, you don't deal with it as you properly should. Brandon stayed in the Army for three more years. Then he got medically discharged for a spinal injury. And I got out on May 23rd of 2010. And June of 2010, I started noticing there was something not quite right with me mentally. I never... Th- thought about the incident specifically it it was the nightmare I had consistently though it was the thing that was always nagging in the back of my head just because of the I survived they didn't why did I survive there was no point in me surviving and just I spun down a very dangerous almost self-loathing road sorry Higdon had two beautiful kids that he left behind. Adrian Worthington was the other guy that died and he was barely 18 years old. This kid hadn't experienced life at all. So for me, I'm like, I that, like I should have made that turn. I should have been the one. I should have, it should have been me. It should, they should be living. And it was just a very dark, disgusting time in my life. That you didn't talk about with anyone. Yeah, like I, I mean, been married, uh, well, almost 15 years now. I never even mentioned this stuff to my wife. I would go to school. I'd come home. I'd go in on my laptop or my computer, start playing games. And I kind of just did the normal, well, I'll take pills and drink to make it go away. So became severely addicted to Vicodin and alcohol at that point. By 2000. 12, I was almost 300 pounds, suffering pre-diabetic. I was drinking way too much every day, taking close to 100 Vicodin a month. Then Brandon's wife and son went out of town. She was down visiting her mom in California with my son, and it had been the first time since I had got home from Iraq that we had been separate more than a couple days. And even then being around was always peaceful and kind of gave me something. And then when she was gone at that point, she'd been gone for almost a week and it was like another week. And so it kind of started spiraling and it just caught up with me pretty quick. I swallowed a bottle of Oxycontin My buddy was coming over to pick me up for school, and I totally forgot about it. He literally just let himself in my house, found me on the couch with a bottle of Oxy sent next to me, and called 911, got me to the hospital. They pumped my stomach. They washed me for 48 hours. And that was a point where I knew something was definitely wrong with me. I had survived a suicide attempt. I had survived almost 16 months in Iraq where I shouldn't have multiple times. There had to be something for me. There had to be a reason I survived. 
I started to get some just treatment going in to see psychiatrists and therapists, figuring out my triggers, figuring out what was causing me to have these issues and these tendencies and kind of also getting back into some physical shape. I started going to physical therapy and then trying to get my back stronger and try to get myself mentally and physically stronger again. Brandon started opening up to friends and family about what he was going through. Three years passed, he joined a veterans group and one of the members introduced him to trail running. And we ran to the top of this hill. It was totally peaceful, quiet. It was the two of us at the top of this hill and we could see all the way into Seattle. It was the first time in a long time that there was no noise in my head. There wasn't a bunch of just clatter in my head. It was just quiet. Every week I, I'd go running and start running more and more. And then it turned into, oh man, I wanna go backpacking. So I started backpacking. It, it just became, it, it became my new addiction, but in a way that was healthy. I knew I felt better being outside. And the longer I did hikes, like the longer my hikes were, the more days they were, the longer I felt better. And so for me, it became kind of a sciencey thing. Like if I hike the Pacific Crest Trail, that's a six month hike. Will this squish and like get rid of a large majority of some of the issues I was having? And so that kind of became the reason I wanted to hike the PCT. Brandon had a friend who also wanted to hike the PCT. They spent a year preparing. And finally, in spring of 2018, they were on the trail. It was it was awesome. Uh, it was just so cool to just be out and just walk. But hike through the desert during a super bloom, so there's all kinds of flowers out, and it was utterly gorgeous and peaceful. You had nothing else to worry about besides I wake up, I walk, I find water, and I find somewhere to camp. And so it was just a peaceful time. And I was hanging out with friends the whole time, laughing, having fun. And I mean, just, it was awesome. Then, after a couple weeks on the trail of long days, 25, 35 mile days. Literally, I just wasn't paying attention while I was walking and I stepped off a rock wrong and just hyperextended my knee. So as soon as I did it, I knew like I felt a lot of pain, but I was like, okay, maybe I won't be that bad. So there was a water hole about another two miles up the hill. Got up there, got some water, uh, got underneath some shade and kind of kept my knee bent during that time. When I stood back up, I could see the swelling already in my knee. Where I was going to camp that night was about another five miles. So I got to the campsite, the camping area, which happened to be a Trill Angel's house, and she actually had an ace wrap. So we wrapped my knee. 
next morning, we unwrapped it and there was already bruising on the back of my leg. I decided at the next road intersection, I'd get a ride out of there to the hospital. And that's what I did. And at that point, the doctor told me that I need to take time off the trail to get my knee fixed. It was a lot of anger at myself because I know if I would have slowed down a little bit, I would have been fine. What was it like to call your wife and your son and tell them you were coming home to heal? That absolutely sucked. Like, my even my son, I mean, he's... So he was 10 at the time, and he's like, well, are you sure? Are you sure you can't go back out? And even my wife's like, well, why don't you just stay down there and heal up? They were encouraging me to stay on the trail. And so it was really good, but it was one of those phone calls that you just, I never wanted to make on the trail. Brandon went home for six weeks. Being home was great because I did get to spend a lot of time with them. But at the same time, it also made me notice things. Like we're living with my, uh, my mom and my stepdad at the time, and it's kind of like, okay, we know we need to get on our own. So issues at home were on his mind as Brandon got back on the trail where he'd stopped. I had planned on only doing like 10 miles that day just to give my knees some time. I got to the top of this hill where I planned on sitting for the rest of the day, and I just started having like these really super, super negative thoughts. Like, I don't want to be here. I can't do this. So for me personally, when I have that, I means I need to get up and move and work through this. So I started walking, walking, and the more I walked, the worse it got, which was something I wasn't normal and wasn't used to. By the end of the day, I actually had ended up walking 35 miles and I just couldn't, I couldn't be on the trail anymore. I couldn't do it. I didn't want to be there. I, I was done. I didn't want to be on the trail anymore because I didn't have my buddies with me. I didn't have someone with me to talk with, to hang out with, to communicate with, which I realized is the biggest part of healing is communication. Communication and, for Brandon, nature. Soon after he got home, a veteran friend asked Brandon to watch his farm for the weekend. And then he offered Brandon a job. And so my wife and I decided this is our next step. Part of that moving out there was actually we got the opportunity to start our own farm. So we we're starting for us a uh, poultry farm. Brandon now teaches other veterans trauma reduction techniques in the outdoors. One of the highlights of my year is I get to go down to New Mexico with Strong Point Thine Art Ranch and lead a three-day hike. And it's really cool to see guys that don't even know each other the day we start. By the time we're the third day hiking on the ranch, we're all laughing, crying together, talking about like our worst experiences. And these are guys that I still talk with almost on a weekly basis. I feel healing. I do not feel healed all the way. My personal belief is I don't think I will ever be 100% healed from the trauma, but I definitely feel much stronger, much more uh, resilient. And I feel there's stuff that no longer bothers me. Like I don't have some of the triggers that I used to. I still have the negative thoughts every now and then. I still have slight things, but majority of it, I think is definitely covered and slowly working its way out of my life. Brandon, what do you think is the reason you're alive? 
Um, I've realized the reason I'm alive now is honestly just to help impact other people. I, I've been through the crap in my life and been through the issues in my life. And through this and from what I've struggled through and I've learned, I can now help other people and hopefully help them not make the poor choices I made. Our storyteller was Brandon Kewen. He's already planning another PCT through hike with friends, this time at a much slower pace. If you or someone you know is struggling, call the National Helpline at 1-800-662-4357 or check out the other resources in the show notes. You can see photos of Brandon and his hike when you follow us. We're Human Nature Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and Human Nature Pod on Twitter. And I'm at Erin JNS on Twitter. I'm Erin Jones. This episode was produced by me with live production from Caroline Ballard. Micah Schweitzer is our executive producer. Our digital producer is Anna Rader. Editing input came from Megan Fury, Sally Leaf, Greg Ronco, and Alex Schaefer. Our theme song is by Caught a Ghost. Human Nature is a production of Wyoming Public Media. It's you.